Why not? Let me go live. Oh, hey, good morning. Good morning. And this has been this has been talk about leading through crisis. This is this has been one heck of a a morning for me for sure. Um, but uh, you can see if you're watching, it's a little bit different than normal. But uh, we'll we'll all get we'll get through all we'll get through all of this. Uh, so Isamar, um, you've had an interesting couple of of days or weeks. I have, I have. It uh, it started Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, started New Year's Eve, and I was just going along with the storm, um, and. Before midnight, I had my neighbor's tree fall on their roof. We're neighbors of a duplex, so I felt the house shake. I immediately went into like, where did that happen? And then we had to go, uh, had to get a go bag, had to collect all our things, and just go through the storm. And then New Year's Day in the morning, I get a call for deployment. It first starts off as like, "Good morning, Happy New Year's." I was like, happy new year's. Like what a great call. <laughs> and then uh, it's like, do you want to, do you want to come work? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. The the storm was pretty, pretty bad. It, I mean, my tree flew, uh, blew down next door. And they're like, oh, you don't know what happened. I was like, no, turn on the news. I like, I don't, I don't have TV. <laughs> and then they sent me a link and that's when I found out about the localized flooding, flooding on the highway on California's highway 99. Um, and then I heard more news reports of weather. Cause then I tuned into the weather and it's just, it's storm after storm after storm. And so I was like, all right, let me, let me switch my go bag from get out of the house to go bag on deployment real quick. And I'll be right there. So it's just been storm after storm, and it's as a as my first time being in an EOC, uh, as like actually deployed on a, on an incident. It's it's fun. It's fun. It's a great <laughs> learning opportunity, and I, I use fun sparingly, right? Because I know that if I were to say this to other audiences, it would come off kind of like odd and awkward, and like how dare you not care, right? But in good company, in emergency management. It's very much, uh, it's understood. It's understood. Yeah. I, and, and, and I don't know exactly what, you, what you're talking about as far as the, uh, the fun part. It's, it's definitely everything you've trained for, um, everything that you want to do, you're, you're eventually to get it. And you know, it's, it's funny you, you say that and, you know, talk about military uh, times, you know, the deployments are scary. Uh, they're not, uh, you know, going into battle is not ever great, but this is what the guys want to do. You know, this is at least the young guys, you know, after they've done it a couple of times, maybe not, but that's the same thing here is that, you know, you're getting to the point to where you're like, Hey, I want to get deployed. I want to go out and do it. I've done all this theory and I'm able to put it into practice now. Um, you know, so leadership, what, what was your experience in general, just in, in when you saw not just leadership with what were you working at your EOC specifically, but across the board from up and down the state. And, and, you know, this is truly for some like myself, you know, I'm here in Southern California we got, we got rain, we got wet, you know, there's some coastal flooding and things like this, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, I was able to drive down the road and go to the store without getting my car, you know, flooded. I was just, it just rained on us. Um, you know, then you have people that are up in areas where, you know, roads are closed and, 
cars are under the water. I think 17 people, um, as far as I know, as, as of today, um, died of various different reasons um, during this time. Um, what did you see? What did you learn from the leadership of this event? <clears throat> oh, man. With this event, I think everyone's everyone's leaning forward and grabbing, I mean, theoretically or figuratively, they're grabbing people by the, you know, by the arm and taking them with, with them on their hip. And it's just kind of like learning as we go. This is, you know, this is the thing that I need you to do right now. And, and it's no reflection on, on what your worth is or anything like that. You just, you have to play a part. And I think with having, having people learn how to communicate that effectively is, is really a really big point on leadership because it, it comes down to like your values. You want to be, you want to be helpful. So it's just like, you are helpful in this capacity. Uh, another learning opportunity I was, I was provided in regards to leadership was I noticed that in our, our Emma requests, the, the leadership would always, and I, I know these individuals as leaders and they're coming in as, as other players but they always are very observant. They will observe first and based on their experience, they'll take it. <clears throat> they'll take the experience with a great assault because it's a, di- a different jurisdiction that they're used to a different organization than they're used to. But some things never change like personalities. Personalities are, they differ between sections, <laughs> EOC sections. And I think having having that type of introspective thinking, being able to assess what's going on around you and shift almost on, on dime, right? Like on a dime. I think that's a big leadership skill that I was able to observe others do. I cannot hear you. When people are public facing, um, and and leading the the citizen, right? You know, telling them what to do. Um, what were some of the challenges that you were facing as an organization, not necessarily you individually, uh, dealing with communication to the public as far as like where the storm, what the storm is doing, and where the flooding is occurring, where to stay away from. I think it's. I think there there's two two individuals that you speak to, and again I'm I don't have this much experience on this, but I, I believe from what I can see so far there are there are two types of individuals you speak to to the public: those that trust the government and those that do not trust the government. And either way, you still have to make it so that it's just common language; it, it hits everyone all at the same time. And I think the the struggles here were because well, it's why am I still under a, a type of warning or a messaging, an emergency messaging right now, if I see blue skies? And mm-hmm. I think it was, it's kind of hard because California's geography is very dynamic. We're with, if with the storm up in the mountains, you're going to have the, the runoff come down and affect rivers and, and other waterways. So I think that's, that was the bigger the bigger concern, at least from what I could see, that it's just like, all right, well, this messaging is out here, but 
it's it's blue skies, but we're still expecting something to happen. So, yeah, I remember when I was a first responder. Um, every time that we had uh, rain, we knew we were pulling somebody out of the out of a river somewhere. You know, and the switchboard rescue teams. You know, they were always we're always like pre-deploying those guys and. And uh, you know, position them to areas where we had a history of, of, of vehicles. You know, we're plucking people out, and, and it's a, it was always a thing. And uh, I think sometimes people don't realize how fast that water truly is moving. You know, it it you know they're used to the San Gabriel River, for instance. Um, they down here in Southern California, um, just being this trickle, and then when the storms come, it's 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 a raging river for sure. Um, so yeah, so the turnaround, don't drown programs and things like this that we try and, and we, we implement, uh, sometimes is not heated and, and it creates uh, a lot of, and that's a lot of the people who, who perished, um, kind of fell into that, uh, category where they tried to pass through rivers and stuff. And I think it's open. helpful to, to also not let a crisis go to waste. If you if you're aware of messaging that needs to, I weird language I understand, but in this regard it would be like if we could do messaging better, like this would be the messaging like hey like I've all I've already because it, these storms rather let me backwards okay so <laughs> because the storms are so statewide I was actually able to have conversations with my family in regards to like hey. Are you signed up with your county or your local jurisdictions? Uh, alert warnings or alert messaging and alert platform. Are you aware of where, you know, the resources lie? Do you know who to contact? Do you know if it's 211, 311, things of that nature? Because 911 is going to get inundated with calls. And if you have, separate, like, I've had to have these conversations with my family and it's not, before it was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, you do things that are emergency. And now it's more like, oh my gosh, what, what other information do I need? I was like, don't. And in my mind, it's like, don't let a crisis go to waste. I'm going to now educate my family over what resources they should be looking at within their counties. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's not a bad way of saying it. It's, it's been said before. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the idea, the, right. Yeah. No, the idea there is it's right because like people are now aware and they're hyper aware and they're this is time when messaging makes makes sense, right? We talk about it after an earthquake, right? We this is why we we hit it hard with the preparedness messages right after the small earthquakes, right? As we call them, you know, the wake up call. Uh, we've right. had a lot of wake up calls, and, and even with you know preparedness is has been uh, um, really it's it's one of those hard things to get through to people, right? On the preparedness side. And even with this rain, you, you know, like myself, you know, here we are, you know, in Southern California where the, we had significant rain. I mean, it rained for days, um, but we didn't have any damage. Well, at least by where I'm at, we didn't really have any damages or anything like this. I live in the hills, you know, so it's not like I wouldn't, I, I could potentially have landslides and stuff. And if you look at the hills behind me, there's scarring on the side of the the, the ravines and things that show that there's been historic uh, landslides and stuff there. Um, so it's not something out of the ordinary, but there aren't any roads and stuff associated with it. So I think that's probably why a lot of people aren't concerned, you know, but, you know, if you go up into, you know, here in Orange County, like Majestic Canyon or San Santiago Canyon or those areas up there, 
um, you know, they, they've had more history of landslides and stuff. So I'm sure they're a little bit more prepared uh, for that than those that are, you know, over by where I'm at. Um, so I think there's some historic context as well. So again, no, there's nothing wrong with using um, this particular event to try to get preparedness message out to people and hopefully have a relationship uh, with the news media um, to be able to reach the, the, the broader audience uh, for that. And, and speaking of this preparedness, um, the city, and, and, and I don't mean to out anybody individually, but this is just stuff that's hit the news. Um, I don't have any insight of, of what the decision-making was or, or why this was said. But the city of San Francisco, the mayor comes out and says, the reason why we were unprepared for this event is because of the National Weather Service. And that was, number one, the National Weather Service is a wonderful organization. They, they put their products out there really early. They're telling you what's going on. Uh, they have nothing to do with individual jurisdictions preparedness plans at all. They, 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 they might be part of it regarding that the, that the jurisdiction says we will look at the National Weather Service for information, but the National Weather Service has never uh, written the preparedness plan for an organization or a response plan uh, for, for jurisdiction. Um, they might help in giving you information, but that's about it. How, how what is up with that? And, and like, what did, what was your reaction to that specifically? I thoroughly read that article. I saw that come out and I was like, wow. Um, but I thoroughly read that article. And I believe if I'm remembering correctly, I believe the city and County of San Francisco replied back and they let, um, I think it was like a misunderstanding on the comment as opposed because like we are not trying to offend NWS national weather service. They actually were a very value. They are and continue to be a very valuable partner in this storm. We were in constant communication with them. So and I'm paraphrasing, but it, it very much, I believe that office of emergency management was able to kind of t- move that narrative around and be like, no, we actually were in in communication with NWS. So, I mean, politics, I believe politics will surround every crisis no matter what. So it's kind of needing to plug in your PIOs into our crisis, crises a little bit more because then that would have, I think the response to the, the claim that we weren't prepared or that's the reason why we weren't prepared. I think they did well to, to rebuttal that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I read that and I was just like, I mean, that's, a, that's a mayor, you know, look at official. Sometimes they say things under frustration, um, under confusion and not understanding. Um, you know, I'm, I am, but I'm going to hold her, her feet to the fire on this one. You know, mayor of London, uh, I, I, you know, if you don't know, and this is all, this is a, a message to your elected officials right now. <clears throat> you know, if you don't know the situation, if you don't understand what's going on, uh, defer to your your experts before you say something. Because, I mean, that's an embarrassment um, to your organization to make it sound as if your emergency managers um, aren't doing their job and preparing the preparing for these disasters now maybe they may didn't and if that's the case then is it time to for you to take a look um knowing the the team in san francisco they're highly skilled and talented emergency managers so i would doubt that that's the case um 
but I mean, as a mayor, you, you really threw them under the bus and it was a disservice. And I, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to apologize for the mayor, but I'm sorry that this, the city of San Francisco's emergency management office is, is going through that. And I'm sure that it was maybe misspoken or, or maybe taken, I don't think it was taken out of context, but <clears throat> you know, um, the people of San Francisco need to know that their emergency management division, OMD, I think it's called, um, or department is, uh, is doing well and they're talented people in that, in that, in that office. It, it's almost like a sense of, a sense of pride, actually, knowing that uh, I'm, I may not know these people individually, but the fact that I am a part of this network, I'm a part of this profession, I know that, so for instance, I know that San, uh, the city and county of Santa, San Francisco, we know that there are great leaders over there. There are great leaders in very, very many other jurisdictions. And it's almost like I, it's a sense of calm, like, yep, that county's covered. (laughs) They have great leaders in in charge of their emergency management areas of expertise. And like, they've got it covered. And uh, Matt Green, hi, how are you doing? Thanks thanks for joining us. It's awesome to see you. And you're absolutely right, Matt. You know, leaders um, can delegate tasks, but they can't delegate accountability. I learned that as a young as a young guy in the military, and, and you're right, it's not a great look for the mayor. And uh, I think the mayor owes her her staff definitely an apology publicly since she outed, you know, since she she said this publicly. I don't I don't know if she will. I don't know if she has that um, fortitude to do that. I don't know her as a person or as a mayor. I just know what I see in the news. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a sad day when you see the mayors try to throw uh, their emergency managers under under the bus, but it seems to be, you know, going back to the leader leading, it seems to be that emergency management during a crisis, um, when things go sideways for, I mean, it happened during Katrina and <clears throat> happened, you know, in other places as well, where when things go sideways, the emergency manager is, a is, is the person who gets thrown under the bus. I mean, Michael Brown, I don't know if it's been many years, but he, uh, you know, he was he was fired um, as the as FEMA head of FEMA, um, you know, by the Bush administration when things didn't go well. And, you know, it's his call. It's his, you know, he's he's in the hot seat, if you will. Um, but, you know, was it really Michael Brown's fault that things went sideways? You know, if you take it, if you study that closely, mm, you know, it wasn't the president's fault either for that matter. But, you know, when all disasters are local, um, but. You know, it seems to be that the emergency managers we we tend to be a, a easy uh, easy target for uh, removal when things go a little bit uh, sideways. Um, why do you see? Well, I don't say why do you see because I know why it's political. But oh, when that goes back to it, um, as, a, as somebody who's young and getting into this um, field, how do you see this happening with you regarding leading uh, during a crisis and and your head being on the chopping block when things don't go necessarily as well as they could. Yeah, that's actually been a, when I first got into local government, that was one of the things that my, my previous employer or my boss actually mentioned, like when you make a decision, you know, as long as you can tell me why you made the decision, I will back you up because that wasn't afforded before. And I think as long as we're, we're essentially training 
those who are coming into the field with this mindset already that we have to be ready for being ousted. We have to be ready for, you know, we have to be politically savvy in our words, in our demeanor. Uh, we need to be just all the time ready and on. I think that's, uh, that's the bigger component. And I, I, another thing is that if we get to the point or rather when we get to the point that the profession is an actual like salt on the earth kind of profession, right? Like it's, there's firefighters, there's emergency doctors, there's emergency managers. Like when it becomes a, a full blown profession and it's advocated for in local government, in uh, legislation, when it gets to that point, I think it'll be a little bit better, but moving forward, that's what I have in my mind is that, all right, this is also a political game as much as it is about saving lives. So as a leader, right, and you're, and you're taking a team forward, um, how do you advocate for them in your mind um, during a crisis? How do you advocate for your team to the political leadership? Oh. Come on, I know you somewhere. You know I have to ask this. <laughs> no. How would I... I don't have enough pol politic training yet. Um, but it would fall, I, I, I think it would just fall along the same lines of like, this is the reason why I, I'm employed by you. Like you want us to do the job of saving your constituents. We, we have the same priorities in, in mind. It's basically just cre creating that type of buy-in from the person of, look, your priorities are my priorities and this is how we're doing it. I have a friend of mine who told me the story, um, and I, I think it's it's funny. I'll, I'll I won't out him because you. Well, we'll talk to him later. But anyway, um, so he's he's working this this event, and the mayor wanted to um, become or wanted to claim himself as the incident commander, Ooh. and. Uh, you know, he had that conversation with the hard, the hard cock saying, okay, this is what this means, you know, and this is what you need to do. And this is how you have to have it happen. And then the, and the finally the mayor was like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to defer over to somebody who's a professional knows what they're, what they're doing. But I, I think sometimes people see the term or, or see what's going on and they want to take control um, due to ego, not necessarily due to, due to skill. Um, and I find that kind of interesting as well um, that people want to, you know, for whatever reason, and, and maybe it's ego, maybe it's machismo or I guess it's sort of the same thing, but you, you know, that, that bravado or whatever term that you want to add into that, whatever adjective you want to push in there. Um, but um, you, you know, when you see this happening, I think sometimes you have to have that real conversation with, the person who's the leader, the, the political leader and say, this is who we are. This is what we do. I will follow your orders, but knowing that once you do this, you know, this all falls onto your, to your lap. Um, and I think sometimes then they, they'll take a, a back and go back to the policy. You know, the, the joke always is, is when you create the policy room, make it as far away from the emergency operations center as possible. I, I it, yes. Part of me understands that and, and says yes, uh, but you know, kind of laughs. But the other side of it too is the other side is you really need to train your political leadership what 
emergency management does prior to an event. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, they are the ones, as, as Matt pointed out, they are the ones that are going to be held accountable, even if they fire their emergency manager. You know, um, they're going to they're going to lose their job. You know, we can go back all the way to Katrina again with Ray Nagin and Blanco, the, the, the Ray Nagin being the mayor of New Orleans and Blanco being the governor of, of Louisiana. Both of them in the next election lost their job um, and, and, and they will be voted out. Right. Uh, so so they they don't want to lose their job. They they have their personal pride and stuff associated with it. And and so it, it does even though they try to say, Oh, we're gonna get rid of this decision maker, this this you know, municipal worker, this emergency manager. Um we saw it happen during COVID, right? People are, are still in place, politics are still in play, it's not the person, it's the system. Yeah. You know, so uh, so yeah, so the elected official you know, is held accountable in one way or the other. But um, I think it's even worse when they like do what the mayor did and try to throw, throw their organization. Um, well, they even try to throw their organization. And, and I should, I should probably say it this way. They, they try to throw another organization under the bus, <laughs> you know, uh, which is kind of interesting. And Matt says, my opinion, that psychological safety paramount is here. The high consequences and the, of uh, the perception of high consequences leads to overly, re- yeah, absolutely. This is overly adverse decision making, ineffective staff that don't have the agency to act, and a stagnant. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Absolutely, um, you know, making decisions and making things out of fear um, of anything new is, is is not is not great. And uh, yeah, I, I mean that's one of these issues, right? Is that you know sometimes. I think politicians make decisions out of fear more than emergency managers. But the other side of it too, is if you're working for an organization where you can't approach the policy room and have frank conversations with them, um, that's not an organization that I don't think I really want to be involved with. You know, now now you, you, you know, you're still, you're still out there, you know, in the game. Um, you know, what are you looking for in an employer when it comes to leadership? The mentee-mentor relationship, definitely. Uh, psychological safety, like Matt Green had mentioned, that uh, is paramount. I want to be able to have that relationship and have that be one of their priorities as well, because then I can have frank conversations without fear, and it could literally be a learning opportunity every day when I go in. Um those are two very big things. And I, I think the, the mentor mentee relationship will also go into like apprenticeship, right? Like you're, you're basically trying to download your mind into mine. And, and I need to, I need to do that quickly, (laughs) but uh, just the openness, right? Like it stagnation will be the, the, the killer of everything because we don't want to move, whether it be out of fear, whether it be out of policy, just stagnation will, will be, I don't want to say the death of us, because that's a little, a little grave, but it's, it won't result in much. So I think being open, like literally being open to, to thought and to new ideas, that'd be good. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for being here. And, and yes, Isamar, she is the future of emergency management. That's for sure. That is not Thank a, that's a good statement. Um, you know, there's a city that was, that's by me 
Uh, and they, for the longest time, uh, they couldn't keep uh, an emergency manager hired. You know, they would hire him. They would only last a year and it's a big rotation. And I was kind of really curious about why that was. Number one, they weren't, they, it was an emergency manager name and, and they were more of an analyst. Um, didn't pay very well. I mean, that's, that's one part of it. Um, so you were getting younger, newer people, people, people into the, uh, into the position. And, you know, as soon as they could move, they did. And I eventually met up with one of the people who worked there. I said, what's going on with that department? Like, why is it such a rotating door? And they said, well, the leadership at the city was just toxic. And, you know, they wouldn't let them do what they're supposed to do. They, they didn't trust them. They, you know, they, the, they were there as the emergency manager by name, but they, uh, they wouldn't let the department do what it's supposed to do or the individual. Um, and, they, you know, they blamed the city manager on that, on that case. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that kind of, that kind of sucks, you know? Um, and, you know, I guess it's one of those things where they didn't take the, the what the profession was of emergency management seriously enough. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of sad to see, but then it goes back to, to leadership. Now, luckily for that city, that it's a, it's kind of a landlocked city. doesn't really have any, you know, areas that would have, outside of earthquake I, I would guess would be the, the largest uh, uh problem they would have you know yeah. um but you know maybe that's why they didn't take emergency management seriously because they weren't didn't have any super high threat areas but my point my point about it though was you know sometimes leadership doesn't see the position of emergency management as a useful position until they need to use it as a uh, <laughs> as, as a block for for them getting in trouble Um, that's a larger conversation about funding are we don't have most agencies that i've i've heard of in states don't have their own allocated funds for when it things hit the fan right it's always just part of their department money and you have to ask for the reimbursement go through the process of fema but it it speaks to uh how much your your i guess the politics are playing into that department and then the other side of the money coin is how much the emergency manager is getting paid. Thankfully now in certain States we can see the wage, but I've known many individuals who have just been like, this is a great position. It would be a great fit, but that is not my wage. Right. Like I am worth more than that. Yep. That's the only way it's going to be um, good. That's going to be moved um, for sure is is when people understand what their, what their value truly is to the organization and, and demand um demand more demand more we're getting here close to the end of our time here but before we let everybody leave i want to make a little bit of an announcement so ismar garcia uh joining our the network she's actually going to be on this program a little bit more so you get to get more of ismar's insight uh so i'm excited to have that conversation with her and that she agreed to actually you know hang out with me more so that was kind of (laughs) nice Oh no, what I sign up for. <laughs> so, but, uh, <clears throat> we have some great guests coming up uh, here in the future. Um, we're going to be revamping, um, not revamping, but uh, kind of moving the direction of what we're talking about here more into realistically into leadership, um, into, you know, management, um, and not necessarily into, uh, uh, you, you know, 
reviewing every crisis that comes down the pipeline here. But uh, this happened to be one that we needed to talk about. And I think it was important too. And Isamar, thank you so much for, for joining us and thank you for being part of what we're doing. And I, I'm really proud of you um, of what you've done uh, in emergency management as you know, in the short time. <clears throat> and you really are making a difference. And as Matt said, you are the future of emergency management and it's great to see you part of this. Well, thank you. I have great leaders showing me the way. All right, everybody, until next time, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, stay safe, stay hydrated.